Corey says we've got topics. So yes, we've got topics. I'm a believer in Corey. So he will deliver. I will just uh, go along for the ride. Here we are, Hawkeyes Live, number 98, as we get deeper into the summer and closer to August camp right here at the Voice of College Football. Appreciate all of you stopping by. Uh, invest your next 60 minutes and we will make it pay off. Leave those comments and questions. We would consider um, it to be great uh, support here if you would in consider a Super Chat contribution as well, but certainly like the video even before we get started. Get yourself settled. Join Corey, of course, on From the Hawkeye of the Storm as he covers the Hawkeyes on a daily basis. Corey, how you doing? Doing good, Mark. Doing very good. Uh, G- uh, June 20th now and once we like we've talked about, once we turn the calendar to July, things are going to fly by. So I'm enjoying my early summer. And uh, I guess, is it technically summer yet? When does summer actually start? I believe summer starts tomorrow. It's either today or tomorrow. Yeah, we've had, you know, 90 degree days for like how many weeks now? But it, it feels like summer. It is summer. And uh, like I say, it's going to fly by. So I'm doing good. For me, it's more like Memorial Day weekend and Labor Day weekend as the bookends of summer even though that's not technically correct. Well, Corey, you assured me that before we started that you had topics to deliver, even though I have been away from the Iowa football scene here mentally for a few days, if not one. One, before I jumped on here, I watched your top quarterbacks in college football, and I I, got to give you credit for giving Cade McNamara a shout-out. Uh, and you mixed him in with some big names there at the beginning, which I didn't expect you to do. I didn't even think he would be in the conversation for making the top 10. And for the record, he did not make the top 10. He did not make your top 10. I'll be I'll be the spoiler alert for Mark's video, but definitely check that video out. Um, I will say that the information that uh, I got Monday was encouraging, and that is that it sounds like Seth Anderson is back healthy for Iowa. And, and that is welcome news because we heard that it, well, we knew his his hamstring was giving him fits, and we recall what happened a year ago with Iowa's uh, number one receiver and who he perceived to be the number one receiver in Keegan Johnson. His hamstring issue it was sort of a uh, cumulative thing, a snowball effect, uh, you know, as far as his health issues went. But it started with the hamstring issue, and he never really recovered, never really played last year. And of course, he's now at Kansas State. But it sounds like, according to excellent source. Uh, that uh, he is pretty much 100%. Now, hamstring, when I make this clear, Mark, you know about hamstrings. Uh, one minute they're 100%, the next minute it's an issue and you're out for several games or several weeks. Uh, I think back to uh, Jackson uh, Smith and Jigba last year against Iowa trying to come out, re-ag- trying to come back, re-aggravating that hammy. So you never say never. You hate that a guy's dealing with that because it does have the tendency to recur it if, if you don't treat it correctly. But hopefully Iowa learns something from I know hamstrings, you know, hamstring injuries have been a part of college football for eons of time. But hopefully Iowa learned a little something with dealing with Keegan Johnson's situation a year ago. And they can use some of that expertise to maybe adjust, alter certain things in treating Seth Anderson. But they are back. I mean, they've all reported. So uh, these newbies are enrolled. I published a podcast uh, late last night with uh, Iowa tight end Grant Leeper. And yes, he is officially an Iowa tight end. He, he signed back in December and he is officially enrolled uh, at Iowa. So uh, he will be gray shirting. If anybody missed that interview, certainly take the time to watch that two, or, uh, week 220 of the podcast over on my channel. Uh, Grant, really uh, polite young man, typical Iowa kid. 
had offers from Wake Forest, Indiana, a nice little plethora of Power 5 schools. What's crazy is he is the epitome of being a late bloomer. And as I've talked to more and more students, more and more athletes from this 23 class mark, and I'm talking about Iowa's class of 2023, I see the raw potential that a lot of these kids have. And raw potential doesn't always pan out. So I, I would by no means, when Caden Proctor was a part of this class, we thought, okay, this is without a doubt a top 20 class in the country. And, you know, rankings-wise, I guess who really cares? This class could be really good, but there are also spots in this class that if they don't pan out and develop, it could end up being a disappointment. So, you know, that's the case, I think, probably across the country. It just seems like there's more raw potential, especially with skill position players. I think about Dayton Howard, six foot five, didn't have any other offers, was really into baseball and finally started taking football seriously down in Kansas City, didn't have any other offers, not an NAI offer, not Division Three, nothing. And Iowa gives him a scholarship. You got Grant Leeper uh, out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, as I just talked about, interviewed him. You know, he had an opportunity to, to gray shirt at Iowa. Initially, they wanted him to come as a walk-on without a state tuition. Uh, you know how much that's going to cost a young man like like Grant. So Abdul Hodge was able to work some magic, and they were able to assure him a gray shirt, which basically means that he's going to get a scholarship when a scholarship opens up. And that could happen before. That could happen this semester still. It could happen uh, next year, but it will at a minimum happen in 2024. So, uh, you know, obviously there's, there's no, I, this is what I said to Grant. Like if you're going to, if you're going to dissect a kid's decision and judge a kid's decision, Oh, you made a good or a bad decision as far as where you're going to go to school. Boy, I'd have to think that the Grant's decision to come to Iowa, if you have an opportunity to be a scholarship tight end at Iowa, I mean, think about that. I mean, no, with all due respect to Wake Forest, which has been on the upswing in recent time in Indiana, what better place to come and get developed as sort of a no-name guy? Uh, no offense to Grant. I think you would agree with that. I think uh, 247 Sports has got him as like the thousandth best player in the country, very similar to where Addison Estringa from Wisconsin was a year ago, and he worked into the mold a little bit as a true freshman last year. And he's really come along and reached out to Grant and helped him with uh, kind of acclimation here early in his career. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. He's got good size at 6'6". And like I say, the raw potential is always intriguing. And they've got a really good tight end room, Mark. We've talked about it, but from top to bottom, potential at the bottom, experience and athleticism at the top. What more do you want from from what I believe to be tight end university? Certainly is. And that was posed to me the other day. And I said, uh, certainly take that uh, that mantra uh, for the last uh, 10 or 15 years, for sure. Uh, I don't think it's a strong debate for anyone else uh, for tight end U. Again, currently, meaning 10 to 15 years out. Uh, forget where I was going to go next. I had a thought in my head, but we do have a super chat. We can honor that, certainly. Erica, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate that. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Any updates on Dejan Parker? Is he good to go? I have no updates to share on that front. Um, I haven't. I have also haven't asked about Dejan Parker. Um, I might do that this week. I, uh, you know, I, I would guess that all these guys, if they were dinged up at the end of spring, that I was going even with Seth Anderson. I mean, I was told, I was told he was basically a hundred percent. My guess is they're not going to to uh, put him in harm's way and, and work him like they're working everybody else early in the summer. Um, I think what's going to be important for a kid like Seth, obviously getting in the strength room is going to be important, but what happens in fall camp, you you got to preserve his 
his uh, presence and his availability for August because he already missed almost all of spring. And we're talking about a kid coming from Charleston Southern trying to develop chemistry with a guy who's won a Big Ten title in, in Cade McNamara with a depleted room. You, you need to be able to develop chemistry at some point within spring or in fall. So I think there, a lot of these guys, especially with guys like Seth Anderson, it's going to be preserving availability for, for August. And yeah, Dejon Parker's important. Seth, uh, Rusty Feth just got to campus as well. I said on my podcast last night, Mark, he, he looks like a mix between Paul Bunyan and Kelly Olynyk. I don't know if you remember Kelly Olynyk, but I think he's with the Celtics now, or he was. Maybe he's with the Heat. But anyway, he's got the big red beard, and just he looks like an Iowa football player, right? And his first name's Rusty. His last name is Feth, F-E-T-H, all right? Not to be confused with Pith, P-I-T-H. So I, I just think it's it's fascinating to see these new guys as they enroll. Some of these guys, and Dejon Parker was here in the spring, didn't play a lot because of injury. Um, who emerges and just got to be healthy in fall? Because I went back last year after the Iowa-South uh, Dakota State game, Mark, I, I listened. I just went back. Every once in a while, I'll do this. I'll go back and listen to a reaction that I had like a year ago. And it kind of takes me back in that moment. And basically what I said in reaction to that that win against South Dakota State is we heard all throughout spring and fall how they were dinged up with injuries. And I'm tired of hearing about this excuse. It's the same thing. We hear that every year, Mark. Injuries are part of football. And Don Patterson would attest to that. It's just part of football. So you've got to develop depth. Yes, you hope for the best with with the guys that are most important, with the rooms that are the thinnest. But injuries are going to happen. You got to work through them. Appreciate y'all being here. Four thirty Central every Tuesday. We got Corey here, of course, for almost a hundred consecutive shows. Check out from the Hawkeye of the Storm. And so, Corey, you've you've brought to my attention two news and notes items. Do you have any more? Well, I, I was distracted by this question from Alan. Do we want to address the? The question here in the chat from Alan, will Cooper sure. be the first white cornerback to be drafted in the first round of the NFL draft? So, Alan, uh, he's a regular participant on, on my channel and on this channel, so appreciate the question from Alan. Uh, you know, if you had asked me, hey, has there ever been a cornerback, a white cornerback drafted in the first round, I wouldn't have been able to tell you one way or the other, Mark. So the kid that uh, – is it Seabor- Seaborn? What was his name? Jason Seahorn, USC, New York Giants. Yep. So where was he drafted? He wasn't a first-rounder. No. He played like a first rounder. Yeah, yeah, he did. He's a great player. But uh and and punt and kickoff returner, punt returner as well. Yeah, that's possible that Cooper DeGene ends up you know, the other thing is where will Cooper DeGene play in the league? Probably will end up being a, a, a corner. Um, you know, I think he's I, I shouldn't say he's a lot. I, I don't know. I mean, look at look at Dane Belton. I think he kind of resembles Dane Belton physically. And Dane, of course, played primarily at the cash spot at Iowa. Maybe Cooper ends up being a safety at the next level. I think Iowa looks at him appropriately. They look at him and say, this is a a flexible guy. And based on needs across the back end of that defense, we can move him around. I do think they're comfortable. Iowa's comfortable with Sebastian Castro at cash. Um, I I think they obviously see a need uh, at corner uh, with Riley Moss moving on and Terry Roberts moving on. And by the way, Terry Roberts landed in Michigan State. Have we talked about that? We did not. I noticed that, yes, he, like a few other players, and maybe there's more that I'm not thinking of, this has now become the next level of transfer portal lunacy that players are transferring during during the offseason. And before they spend any time playing for a particular school, they transfer again 
during the off season and go somewhere else. Yes, yeah, so he'll be coming. He'll be coming to Iowa City. <laughs> yeah, it, I'll be anxious to see. Do you know anything about Michigan State's depth at at corner? I don't. I have not taken any kind of dive on Michigan State. I feel for Terry Roberts. I don't. I. I been told stuff about what happened there you know you don't know exactly what to believe there's two sides to every story but you, you do kind of feel bad for a kid regardless of why he left you go down to miami and it's got to be a ooh and ah type of of deal be able to play for the hurricanes and go down to miami beach and obviously it didn't work out to plan this spring and now you're i don't want to say frantically looking for a new home he got a home in the big 10 with michigan state but yeah, this is it. I mean, you you better you better make it work now. He's to the tail end of his career, and I'm just curious if, if he goes up there and doesn't play. That's just going to be a, a unfortunate end to a pretty productive career. I know he didn't play a lot at corner at Iowa, but had tons of big plays on special teams, and um, I, I just wish him the best. But he will be back in Iowa City because they, Michigan State plays at Kinnick this year. I don't have an issue with this question that came in from Alan, but uh, it, it does bring to mind. I hope that Cooper DeGene does not have to carry that tag with him, whether he's successful, which that is, of course, the hope. We wish him uh, the utmost success that, oh, well, you're the guy, you're the you're the white corner that's really good in this league. Or, yeah, he was a highly drafted cornerback. He was white. He was a bust. He didn't work out that he's got to carry that with him. I'll make a guarantee to Alan and anybody else out there. He will be the first player, first football player from Odebolt, Iowa to ever be drafted at all. I, 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 I'm just saying that because I, I think Odebolt's got like 500 people or something like that. I honestly, when, and I've lived here, I've lived in Iowa my whole life. I'd never heard of Odebolt before Iowa started recruiting Cooper. I just never heard of it. How far away is it from you? I have no an hour, probably an hour, and I can look it up. Probably an hour and a half. Uh, okay. Let me let me find this because there yeah, it's plenty of places in Ohio I've never heard of, but yeah, but uh, don't you think there's a little bit of, of a difference? I mean, what's the population of Ohio? It's the so, seventh most populated state. Okay, so this uh, according to Google, it's closer to two hours, just under two hours to Odebolt, but it's not like it's not like. Up by Dubuque or anything like that, Mark. It's it's not that far. That's what I'm saying. I had I I didn't even know what it was. Um, it's west of Lake City, um, kind of north northwest. So, anyways, um, that would be a, a great. You know, I love those stories. I think about Tyler Linderbaum being drafted and and kind of put Solon on the map. And there have been some really good. Callie Levine, a, a women's basketball player, is going to be at Iowa next year. Um, I'm not saying that. You know. She's a result of Tyler Linderbaum. I'm not implying that, but I'm just saying, you know, it's it's cool for those small towns, especially in Iowa, rural Iowa, to, to kind of get put on the map by a, a, a cool hometown story like that. Every time you start to um, kind of weed through the uh, geography in the state of Iowa, it, it sometimes comes to mind that I've never been in the state. I, I've driven through a corner of the state, I believe, to get to Nebraska twice but I've never spent any time in the state of Iowa. And you're not going to. Why? I don't, you didn't act like you've never acted like you really have a desire. I have a desire to come to a football game. I have a desire to come cover some Iowa football in some way, shape or form. And the best way to do that would be to actually go to a, a big 10 home game 
or a major non-conference, <clears throat> if they ever played a major non-conference game there, uh, or to to come up, you know, if, if we get to a point here at the Voice of College Football where I have carte blanche at my disposal, then I would love to come up for, let's say, spring practice sometime, you know, spend like three days up there, go to practice, go to uh, a couple of Brian's news conferences when he's the head coach or whatever it turns out to be at that point. <laughs> Mark, why don't you just come down in August, come to media day and then come to kids day, the open scrimmaging on kids day. Maybe. I doubt Are if you- it's going to happen this year. <laughs> well, you got two months, Mark, you got about two months. So, um, you know, we'll get, you can get access to the players and access to the coaches and get some live footage at the game. So, I've got a buddy who heads out west and has done this several times, not every summer, but when I say west, I'm talking Wyoming, Montana, Colorado to spend time out there. And he says he drives through Iowa and he says, man, this looks like a place I'd want to live. Really? Yes. I thought you were, were going to rip the state. No, I was not going to rip. If if it was going to be a rip, then I was just going to leave it alone and listen to what my mom said. And that's not say anything at all if if it can't be positive. Well, for for the record, anybody there's there's a misnomer about Iowa that Iowa's flat and that there's nothing here. The fact of the matter is, go into Nebraska, anywhere west of Omaha, that is flat and bare. Okay, Iowa for the most part is very rolling. Um, my home county is is very hilly. You go up to, to Dubuque, uh, it kind of reminds you. Parts of Dubuque almost remind you of parts of San Francisco. Like you feel like you're in a different part of the. Hmm the country so there there it's it's a it's a beautiful state I, I mean i've lived here my whole life mark i don't like the winters just like you don't like probably the ohio winters but uh and then the summers are hot and humid like i said we've had it's been warmer here i've got some family in southern california it's been warmer here for like the last two months than it's been almost any day i've checked in with my family down in South, southern california mm. that's just insane to me now they start yeah. to warm up it seems like closer to july but uh that's one thing I, I, I that's one thing that I I don't say is we overlook, but especially with skill guys like Jarrett Bowie. I brought that up. I think it was on the podcast yesterday. Florida guy. I was been doing more work down in Florida. Jazz Patterson's from Florida. James Resar, quarterback at 24, is from Florida. As they've had more success in Florida as a result of Liddell Betts, Kelton Copeland, etc. Don't you think that's that's a huge change for kids like that and with the portal i'm not saying like it's always been a challenge right guys were teams recruit from different states but now with the portal and it being that much easier for guys to up and leave i I just am thinking if i was in that position with how much i dislike winter as an iowan if i came from a climate like tampa up here it would it would be a shell shock for me so i wish Jarrett Bowie (laughs) the best as he begins his career because he's another guy they need someone like Jarrett Bowie to step up at receiver um, because they're they're thin yeah uh, certainly the the benefits for for me personally and this isn't for everyone but I think this is for a large portion of people in moving south and the weather benefits there versus being north but it's obviously not all the time and it's there are certain parts of the uh, calendar that you'd rather be in the north and i would think for so for example i was in florida for four or five days over the weekend this past weekend and, and and leaving the airport you know landing getting my bags walking out the door for the first time and just it and it was in the low to mid 80s here and sunny but just a different 
level humidity, the sun glare beating down, all of that. It's just um, so there is a a benefit to being in the north certain parts of the year. Certainly, I, I never complained about being in Connecticut from May to October. Yeah, no, Beautiful. I agree. And I, Mark, I don't complain about being in Iowa from May to October. I don't. People complain about how humid it is, and who cares? Like again, you go down to Florida, it's humid. All right, you'll never hear me complain about hundred degree weather because I always know we could have zero degree weather. And for the people that say, "Well, you can always, you can always put more clothes on, Mark. You can never take too many clothes off." I don't. That's a stupid line, I, in my opinion. It a is dumb a stupid way to line. So, but I hear that. I've heard that my whole life. Okay, and I, you know what I always tell those people: move to the tundra, move to the tundra, go far away, enjoy the cold year round, and I'll go somewhere warm. So, anyways, I'm with you. I am with you. Yeah, top ten quarterbacks, folks. If you want to check it out, uh, it's over on the main channel. Oh, you know what we've got coming up. Don't know that it necessarily will apply. It won't apply to Iowa until about when was Iowa's national championship? Iowa won a national championship in 1950 something. That's a trivia question that I don't have the answer to, Mark. Because it was a. Iowa does have one claimed national championship, correct? In football. Claimed and national. I can't remember. I can't remember what year it is. I thought it was sometime in the 50s. Might be earlier than that. It's not post-1960. I know that. Um, so on Thursday night, we are starting a marathon where we are reviewing college football history year by year by year. We are going through every year of college football, and we are rewriting the record books in regards to claimed national championships and deserving national championships. So we will be awarding some national championships to those who do not own them currently, and we will be stripping others away. And there's a few people out there that take great offense to this. 1958, Mark. 58. I was actually, I should have said that because that was, I, I really did know that somewhere back there. But they finished in the polls number two. So, <laughs> you know, like I said, it's... Somebody awarded them a national championship. Yeah. Yeah, and I so I don't even know. You could tell me how it worked back then, but uh, I'm reading here on Wikipedia that I was been selected national champion five times by designated major selectors: 21, 22, 56, 58, and 60. Mm, okay, there are some other ones in there. Well, but those are not, those are not apparently not consensus. Is how that works? No. Yeah, sounds like 58 was the consensus. Yes, even though they finished number two in the country. <laughs> According to the AP poll. Whatever poll was out, yeah. This yeah, just says... I'm uh, sure it was the AP poll. Let's see, the major... Let's see. Iowa finished the 1958 regular season ranked number two in the polls, won the 59 Rose Bowl, 38-12. to 12. Uh, The major wire services AP and coaches poll had named LSU as national champions. That's with uh, Billy Cannon. The Football Writers Association of America awarded the Grantland Rice Trophy and their national championship to Iowa after the bowl games were played. So Iowa's never finished a season ranked number one in either of the two major polls. So uh, that's why you asked that question. I can't not to not to discredit anybody who do you think anybody who played in 58 is still alive? There's got to be somebody, right? Uh, 58. So they were born yeah. in like 38. 
62, yeah. yeah, 85, 84, 85 years old. I'd be, you know, that would be a really cool project. That'd be difficult to do. If we could get a, a, a member of that team on, wouldn't that be cool? That would be cool. I would love to talk football. That'd be, that'd be, I wonder if that's a athletics communications question. If they can, I'm sure they have some form of records from those historic years. I would guess that in 2000, what, 2008, 2018, that they had some type of a, yeah, it's a good celebration. That's a good question. Um, I would think 2018, right? 50 year yeah. anniversary. Uh, 50 would have been 08. Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. 50. So, so 2008. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I'm yeah. trying to think back to 2008. Um, I remember that season fondly, but I, I don't remember when that if that was held at halftime. I would think you'd have a pretty significant recognition to your one claim national title in your, in your program's history. Uh, we've got one particular person in the chat that's mighty uh, upset and does not have uh, a, a lot of fondness for Wisconsin, but let's cool it on the language there. You know, that's nothing to get heated about right now. The Wisconsin game is far, far away. What do you think the odds are of you seeing an Iowa national championship in your lifetime in football? Of course. That's a good question. Odds, man. I, I'm so bad at trying to place odds on, on certain things happening. I mean, what would have to go right for that? <laughs> you really think it's that absurd? There's going to be a 12 team playoff soon. Right. So that, that, that increase or decrease. That hurts. Really? That hurts. Yes. I disagree. It hurts disagree. the cause. I disagree. There, there are no other 2015 kind of miracle type scenarios. They didn't make the playoff in 15, Mark. Yeah, but they came they that close. It. But they didn't. And if they got listen, the play, had it been a 12 team playoff, they would have gotten in, and they would have had to win four games. Correct. I understand against the best teams in the country. Four is a non conference champion. This playoff provides more opportunity for the little guy, but it is closing out their chances. More opportunities, but you now, you cannot jump in as in the BCS era in one game or as TCU last year, two games, three, four games. That's... A mountain to climb. But, the, but Mark, look at how much college. I mean, we just talked about a, a 58. I mean, people who played on that team in 58 could still be alive today. Mm -hmm. A lifetime's a long time, Mark. Lots of changes can happen with the scene of college football, how the game is played, the powers that be, how the game is formatted. I mean, you look at NIL and the changes of the transfer portal. Who would have thought? I wonder if you asked somebody from 58, hey, what do you think about NIL and the transfer portal? I wonder what they'd say. So, I mean, like, that's why I say, I, do I see it? Do I foresee it happening anytime soon? No. But to say in a lifetime, I, I don't know. I'd probably 15, 20%, but that's just throwing out a number. Yeah. For, for as much as everything that you said is absolutely spot on true, if we went back 50 years and look at the AP top 10, it would look like it might as well be this year. With the exception being Iowa, apparently. 
Ohio State. Well, I said 50 years ago, so 1973, Nebraska. Okay, so, you're so you're basically you saying in the 60s, things changed. I don't know why they changed. Well, the one big thing would be integration. Um, oh, that, that would be enormous. But other, th I don't know. I'm not going to get into what the impact w was. And, and the sport became integrated in the North before the South. Uh, but that's the first obvious uh, change in the 1960s. I'm just saying, as I scan back and go 50 years in the past, the elites of college football have just, they've just stayed. Well, like I said, we'll, 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 we'll find out. I mean, uh, may maybe you won't, but I will. <laughs> so Sorry to, I don't mean to sound adversarial there, Mark, but uh, no, I, I would hope that you would outlive me. I'm a Certainly, few, I will not be around to, to see. <laughs> <laughs> I have confidence you'll be around to see it, Mark. Um, yeah. Do I think it'll be under, under Kirk? No, I don't think it'll be under Kirk. I'll make this statement that if my team can't win the national championship in any given year, then why not? I would love to see Iowa win a national championship more so than any other school in the country. Why? Uh, I like the, I like the, the ever since uh, I was a, a, just a lad, I, well, first of all, I love the big 10. So I'm going to pull for the big 10. And I love that. Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Purdue block of teams. Okay. I can see why. I, I mean, think, I think they've taken a lot of abuse through the years about being not good enough. Uh, and I know I, I understand I'm going to offend a lot of people by blocking those schools together. And Iowa's been much more successful than let's say a Purdue most of the time. Uh, but they, they get, they get, they get piled on for being boring for being, well, they are and, and so forth. Yes. They are kind of boring, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Iowa might be really boring. Is it fair to say that I'm Iowa might to be defend your, Oh, uh, your by the way, thing. one, other, one yeah. other thing before we move on, uh, we'll also have plan is to have Tegan Davis on the show here in the next few weeks month or so um iowa remember they flipped him from eastern illinois right before signing day so he'll he'll be jumping on i think we'll probably be getting close to finishing up with our 23 interviews mark we've been pounding away at recruiting interviews with this class and there's a few guys we haven't been able to to uh, touch base with but i appreciate all the different athletes who have come on and, and kind of made themselves known to hawkeye nation and i know fans have appreciated those interviews and then we'll start We'll start talking to more of the kids from 24, and hopefully as the 25 class uh, begins to take shape, we'll do the same there. Uh, sports updates, uh, your your presence is appreciated, but uh, you know, one more um, F-bomb on an opponent, and you'll be leaving the chat. Why are we F-bombing people, Mark? What's I have no idea. F Northwestern, F Wisconsin. Oh, my goodness. Those are the two that I've seen now. I did see a couple of comments about potential next head coach. Uh, a couple of people who commented on uh, LeVar Woods. I had a conversation with somebody a couple of days ago about that topic. 
And I'll repeat what I've said over and over and over again, Mark. Uh, I don't know why. If you have potential candidates, I'm not saying Bob Stoops is a candidate, but even a guy like Phil Parker, if he wants it, or Brett Bielema. I think Brett is probably the more logical, reasonable option. You you really like that. You you really like how I like Brett Bielema, don't you? If <laughs> this is this is what we need for both your channel and to a lot lesser extent my channel here with the 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 Iowa coverage would be for there to be a coaching change, but there to be a long waiting period of a search. <laughs> That's always good for business. And then when that announcement is made, it's Brett Bielema. That would just be. We'd be talking about that for for months. Now, Mark, we how many times have we discussed this topic of who the next coach at Iowa could or should be? A dozen times. A lot. Yes. Do you even know who I think should be the next head coach at Iowa? Because it's not Brett Bielema. He's not he's not number one on my list. Uh Phil Parker's number one on your list, at least in regards to giving him the opportunity to interview. I think Bob Stoops and Phil are Phil, Bob Stoops and Phil are one A and one B, and I I would feel indebted. I think a lot of people think neither guy would want the job, but I would feel indebted to Phil based on what he's given this program for so long, to at least give him that option. Yes, give him that opportunity. Oh, give him the option to be the head coach. Yes, you feel indebted. Now, this does not sound like a Corey Brada type statement. Feel indebted to give him the interview. Yes, feel no. indebted to give somebody that doesn't where you think there's a better candidate to give him the job just because you feel indebted. You have to have an interview process, right? Just yes. like the university's conducting a search for the next AD. But what do you have to interview Phil? I mean, what if Phil Parker wants the job? Okay. Unless yeah. Bob Stoops says, I want the job. In my opinion, he's the best candidate out there. And Based on what I know about Phil Parker and the relationship he's built with the administration, with the university, with the fan base, and with recruits and players over the course of the last 20 years, I don't need some interview to sell me on him being the next head coach. So, yes, I feel not indebted to give him. A, if, if, you, if, you don't, if you're an AD and you're not giving Phil Parker, you're not offering him an interview, you ought to be fired on the spot. I, I think he is 1A and 1. I think Bob – the thing about Bob and Phil – Bob, Phil, Mark, Brett, those are all people who are so connected to the Iowa program. They've got strong ties to the Iowa program. They've got they're they're all guys who besides Phil, they're all guys who have won at a high level. So, you know, I, I bring that up because I, I yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to discount the value that an interview process can can have, but Iowa has options. They have uh, they have a number of potential comfortable options, if that makes sense, where I think you can just I, 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 I don't think it should be if you want to go that direction, unless you want to just say, hey, we're moving on from the Hayden and the the Kirk era and we're going to go to someone totally fresh. We're going to put this. You can do that. And then I would encourage you to be really thorough on interviews. But I would think it would not be hard for whoever the powers that be to make a list and say, yes, this guy's priority. Number one, this guy's priority. Number two. And yes, you have to. I mean, you do things by the books and interview people, but you, don't you think, Mark, you have an idea of who you want? Like if all five of those guys oh, sure. do an interview, I don't know what, like what would one say that another, like if Bob Stoops said, well, I can only give you two years. Okay. Maybe that's a deal breaker. But like for the most part, if every guy there says, yes, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to be here. I can give you five plus years. 
then I would look at I would look at my list and who I prioritize. And unless something drastically changes in that interview process, I'm going with my list. Is that a naive, ignorant comment to make? No, uh, I, I'm just I am just stating not that Phil Parker should not be hired as the head coach. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that uh, it, it sounded at first as though you were just you felt indebted to the point of giving him the job. Well, isn't that kind of what I just said? Because of the work he's done as defensive coordinator and his loyalty and all of that, he has has earned the head coaching position. It's earned an interview. (laughs) I think we're arguing over semantics here because maybe I, I, like I said, I don't know what he's going to say in an interview. That's going to change my opinion. There are very few coaches in this country that I would say, you're the coach. If you want the job, you're the coach. Like those guys are like Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney. Well, no, okay. Head coaches, head coaches. Yes. You're about head coaches. Head coaches? yes. But Phil Parker, I definitely want to interview, even if he's been around the university for 50 years, this is now a conversation about the future of the football program and what his vision is. So, so tell me, and by the way, for the people who are saying Phil doesn't want it, we asked him that question that was asked last year at media day. And he did not say that I'm never going to be interested in being a head coach. I know that keeps getting brought up because he's said things similar to that in the past, but things change. And the whole point is we're talking about who you prioritize. Like you wouldn't just say, well, we're not even going to talk to him because he doesn't want to be the head coach. He said that three years ago. I, I think you have to look at this. As it relates to, to just tell me, Mark, who, what is he going to What is Phil going to say in an interview that's going to sell you or not sell you? That's what I'm saying. He has sold himself based on the fact that he's carried, he's carried this program. I, hate to, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to discount Kirk, but you would agree. He and Lavar Woods have carried this program at a minimum over the last how many years? Uh, and and you could argue. Uh, Norm carried the program prior and, and give credit to to Kirk for hiring those guys. Don't get me wrong. And he's overseeing everything. I get that. But the offense we've talked about, his offense has been bad, basically Kirk's entire tenure with the exception for of a couple of years and has been historically bad these last couple of years. They went 10 games two years ago. They went eight last year with one of the worst offenses in Power 5 history. I'm just saying, like, if you say, well, there's only a couple of coaches that I would – just say, yes, you get the job no matter what. Nick Saban, I, I would say there are more than a few coaches. Talking about a, a place like Iowa, uh, Nick Saban would be on the list. Um, as I've said, Bob Stoops slash Phil Parker would both be on my list. Uh, Link, I know people don't like Lincoln Riley, but he would if, if Lincoln Riley said, hey, I want to leave USC and coach at Iowa, I was going to say no to that, and they're going to go hire Mark Stoops? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, you go down the list. I mean, you could probably come up with a dozen coaches that theoretically, if they asked, Hey, I want to be, I want to, I want to interview for this coach. And I'm really interested in in getting this position. You are going to probably jump on that. Maybe I'm, maybe you're just more conservative than I am with that, but I just don't know what else Phil has to prove besides the fact that he's proven himself in a compromised position for years at this university. He's a defensive coordinator. He's not a head coach. Right, right. But he's called plays. LeVar Woods has never called plays. I understand that, but being the head coach goes way beyond that. 
yeah. you know, I'll, I'll relate it to my own personal experience. I was at a company for 19 years. I was in a certain position for 15 years. I would have to interview if I wanted to be notched up just one little, I'd have to go through an interview process with like four or five people. Now, if they wanted me to run the department or I sought a position to run that department and not just be a manager within that department, you don't think they would interview me for it? So being the head football coach at the University of Iowa is different than being the defensive coordinator. Yes, I would want to hear from Phil Parker. What do you plan to do as the head coach? Well, here's what I'll say, too, in response to that. You could argue Phil Parker is the best at his job in the country. Sure. Right? You could argue he is the best defensive coordinator in all of college football. Mm-hmm. That's not hyperbole. That argument can be made. You may disagree, but it's a fair argument to make given Absolutely. what he's up against, given the fact that this defense is as good as it is every single year, in spite of the offense, there is not another program in this country, Mark, as you know, that is as efficient as they are on one side of the football, in spite of a deficient opposite side of the football. So you can argue he's the best at his. And if you're talking about potentially the best coordinator in the country, or at least best defensive coordinator in the country, in my mind, unless he has got some huge goose egg or, or a cloud hanging over his head that we don't know about, he is a prime candidate for a lot of power five high major jobs. That's what, that's how promotions work, right? If, if, if we're talking about Minnesota's D coordinator, who I don't even know, I don't even know who that is, or uh, let's think of another good program. Uh, UCLA's defensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, but Phil Parker is the exception to the rule because he has been exceptional himself in very, very difficult circumstances. Like at a minimum, at a minimum, what are you going to get with Phil Parker? They're getting what they get with Phil Parker now. They're get, they're being, they've been given nothing as far as offense is concerned. If he's the head coach, yes, I understand he's going to pull back reins a bit and hire somebody to work under his authority, but it's still going to be his defense. You're Theoretically... You're going to, if you can hold on to LeVar Woods as a special teams coordinator, which may or may not happen, couldn't you make the argument they're they're at least going to be where they are now? Or is that faulty reasoning? It's not like Iowa recruits at a high level. It's not like they develop offensive players at a real high level. So that should be able to sustain. It's it's not a guarantee, but it's not also not faulty reasoning. I, I think it's reasonable to come to that conclusion. I'm just making the statement that If I'm running the show, Phil Parker, I don't discount anything that you just said. I have confirmed that from my own perspective a number of times. Yes. Is he the best defensive coordinator in college football? I think that the debate and the conversation starts with him. Yes, it could be argued that he is. But it's a different position. It's a different role. It's a much different set of responsibilities, and I would interview I him. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Venables is, uh, or not Venables. Uh, yeah, no, Venables. Venables is at Oklahoma, right? Mm-hmm. And so far, they have not been very good. Okay, so far. One year. Well, I, I know, but I'm just saying so far. Yeah, they had a so- disappointing year. If that doesn't work out and they're not, and, and he doesn't get it done there, which I think he probably will, but if he doesn't, Mark, are we going to look back and say, well, that was a bad hire? 
I wouldn't say it's a bad hire. It, you you hired you hired the most respected assistant in the country. I don't think that's ever a bad thing. That's what I'm saying. Like hiring Phil Parker to me is a very low risk decision. It's a very safe decision. If it doesn't work out, who's going to blame you? Who is going to blame you for hiring Phil Parker as your head coach? The fan base loves Phil Parker. All right. I, I mean, that's how I look at it. And maybe I'm simplifying it way too much. Well, I get your point on Brent Venables, but if Brent Venables does not succeed at Oklahoma, it was a bad hire. Now, is that a difficult? Is that a I, I difficult? Don't agree with that com- I don't agree with that statement. That if Brett Venables doesn't succeed at Oklahoma, that it's a bad hire. Um, you know, if I if I have an option to take a job, let's look at it from the other perspective. If I have an option to take a job where I'm working less hours, getting paid double what I'm making now, living in a better place, providing better for my family, and something goes wrong and I get laid off due to unforeseen circumstances, does that mean it was a bad decision to take that job? Things happen. doesn't mean it was a bad decision in the moment. Like, I don't know okay. how you could possibly you, look you, back. You're, you're confusing something that's a huge factor in what you just said in making that comparison. You're talking about something that's completely out of your control in that scenario you just laid out versus almost everything's in Brent Venables' control to be successful. I'm not comparing myself to Brent Venables. I'm comparing myself to whoever's making the decision to hire Brent Venables. Yeah. It and, is and out, I'm not is hired. It's out of it's out of the administration's control whether or not he succeeds. For the most part, it's out of their control. They've made the hire and now it's up to him to succeed. If it doesn't work out, you're not going to regret your decision of hiring the guy, is what I'm saying. I'm not saying that capable people don't make hires that are that don't work out. If you do it long enough, you're going to hire someone who doesn't work out. That doesn't mean you're incapable of the hiring process and evaluating people, but it's going to be considered that hire did not work out. Didn't he did not out. succeed. It was a right. bad hire. And again, well, we're again, we're arguing over semantics because I would not say it was a bad hire because you're implying that the actual process of hiring the person was a bad decision. It didn't work out. It ended up not being a successful experiment but it doesn't mean it was a bad hire. If, if you as a single person decide to date somebody and it doesn't work out and you don't get married, does that mean it was a bad relationship? No, it just didn't work out. You, I mean, do you regret not entering into the relationship? Hopefully not. Maybe, again, I think we're just arguing over semantics because we have very little to talk Possibly. about. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was certainly going to jump on that analogy as well. Go ahead, jump on it, Mark. Jump on it hard. Uh well, when you have two people involved in a relationship, what is it impacting? It's impacting those two individuals. When you are hiring the head football coach of a major program, you're impacting a ton of individuals, so you need to get it right. These are illustrations, Mark. They're not similes. They're not metaphors. They're not direct comparisons. They're not mere images, but uh, I think we're arguing mainly over semantics, so... Probably. I don't think we probably would have gotten into this debate had it been August. If this was August 20th, we probably wouldn't be debating this. No, we wouldn't. I'm be. simply st- you get where I stand, right? And I don't need to rehash yeah. it. You get where I stand. I don't think in any way anybody can really blame the Oklahoma administration if Venables doesn't work out. Because at the time, it was a, it was a wise decision. Everybody, I think most people would have, he was a coveted assistant. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
and and Phil Parker would be in the same position. I think a lot of people just don't think. I think a lot of people definitely they just think Phil doesn't want a head coaching job, and he has obviously I and mean, he's had opportunities to go places. He's obviously not been interested. So chances are he probably wouldn't be the head coach at Iowa. But you put it out there, and if he says yes, I'm interested, it's gonna I'm gonna be hard pressed to find a reason not to promote him to head coach. Corey, I think he would have approved of the conversation I had with my daughter just the other day. She was in the midst of car shopping, looking for a car, purchasing a car. And I told her, I said, if you go through the right process in any decision that you have to make in life, if you go through and you understand what the issue is, what the situation is, and you go through a good process, you're going to make the right decision, what turns out to be a successful decision most of the time. But there are going to be factors involved that you can't control. Yep. Um, there are going to be people out there that are completely clueless, foolish, and they'll just get lucky and make a good, good, successful decision once in a while. But 80 or 90% of the time, if you're doing the wise process, you're going to make a successful decision. And then as opposed to making a clueless, foolish decision, that's rarely going to work out. I'll, I'll give you something to relay to your daughter, a firsthand experience. My wife, uh, years ago, when she got her first car, all right, family drove the car, had a family friend look at the car from a mechanic mechanics standpoint, all you know, put it through its trials on the road. You know, I mean, did everything you could possibly do. Nice car it was actually a Honda. It's a Honda Civic. All right, always a good first car, right, Mark? Yeah. You, Everything tested out great. She bought the vehicle, got home, and that evening it overheated. And through some investigative work, they found out that this woman, I'll, I'll be kind and call her a woman, sold her a lemon. Um, due to some investigative work, they were able to find out who her mechanic was. And the mechanic gave them documentation that indicated that she had been taking that car in for overheating issues prior to selling it. So it was, it was, it was a sleaze, sleaze bag, sleazy deal. That's what it was. But what else are you going to do? Like in the moment, it's like, well, I did everything I could. Like you said, sometimes crazy things happen and there's risk with everything. There's risk with buying a used car. There's a risk with hiring somebody, especially somebody who's never been a head coach. And frankly, there's, there's risk of hiring a guy who has been a head coach. I mean, look at Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> I mean, he's a perfect example, right? Um, so, and maybe he turns things around, but, and you can look at the counter of this, the flip side of this, Mark. If you are, not the counter, but yeah, the, the opposite of this. If you're telling your significant other or your child, don't walk through a dark alley in a big town late at night. And that person ends up work, walking through a dark alley in a bad part of town and makes it to their destination quicker than they would have if they followed your advice. Was that a good decision or a bad decision? In my book, it's still a bad decision. Sure. Just because it worked out doesn't mean it wasn't a... So if you hire a guy and you have no real reason to think he's qualified or going to make it work, and he somehow, he, he, finds, he, he ends up being a, a squirrel that finds a nut, a blind squirrel that finds a nut. It wasn't a good hire. It worked out, but it was a pretty stupid decision in the moment. I don't think we disagree that much on this. <laughs> I don't believe so either. 
It's actually a third car for my daughter. This is really the first one, though, that she's all totally on her own. So it was it was uh, it was a bit uh, anxious uh, for her to make the pull the trigger. Well, I believe we've come to that time uh, discussing cars and the hiring process through much of our 98th edition, everyone. Appreciate you all being here. We will talk a little more football probably next time, uh, next Tuesday at 4.30 Central. Make it on back for show number 99. Bring a friend or two. Corey, what do you have uh, going on this week? Like I said, get the Grant Leaper uh, interview out right now. We've got Tegan Davis here coming on in the coming days. We'll have another live show before the, the month is up. Um, we are starting to pursue uh, sponsorship opportunities and advertising opportunities for folks on the, the post-game show for this fall. So if you're interested, you can reach out to me. My email's everywhere on my channel. So, um, yeah, we're kind of just getting – this is the time, man. We just get, get prepped. And as we said last week, Mark, you just get caught up on stuff. Get caught up in as much stuff as you can and – uh, I'll be publishing videos on guys like Ben Keeter, who's considered the top prospect in the 23 class and, and never actually did a breakdown of his tape. So that'll be fun. He's obviously an unbelievable athlete, um, has competed at the national level in wrestling, and now will be a linebacker at Iowa. So, yeah, lots of stuff. Things aren't going to slow down. There's not going to be a time period, Mark, where there's nothing to talk about. It's just a matter of finding time to talk about everything. Erica, we apologize for missing your super chat. Thank you so much for that. So Erica is asking if we've watched Bob Stoops videos yet. I watched a, I watched part of one or two. Um, I, as I've said before, I, I don't think Fox did him any favors when he was on their countdown to kickoff show. And it felt like to me, it felt like Matt Leinard and Reggie Bush and whatever the other guy's name is. They just dominated the conversation when you have a, a guy in a mind like Bob Stoops. I, you know, I'm biased obviously, but, uh, no, it's cool to Bob. I didn't know Bob Stoops had that that show, that channel. Um, so, you know, I, I just think uh, Phil and Bob both, they both fall in the same pool for me. Both of them, y you ask, you approach. Um, it's kind of like the quarterback conversation from a little over a year ago, Mark. Remember people would say, oh, why, would you why would you even go after that? He's not going to come here. How hard is it to ask? How hard is it to to put that birdie in someone's ear? So I would hope that whoever the next AD is, which I know it's not exclusively the AD's choice, but you put that birdie in, in both of those guys' ears and, and see what comes back. We've got a Nebraska show coming up in about 25 minutes over on the Nebraska channel. Erica, thank you so much for that Super Chat contribution. Appreciate everybody being here again every Tuesday at 4.30 Central. Catch Corey on a regular basis on from the Hawkeye of the Storm, and we will see you all back here next Tuesday.